Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So, You can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now. Hello, America, and happy Thursday. Welcome to John Solomon Reports, a podcast from Just the News. We have a very big treat for you. For the next two days, we're going to have a conversation with the IRS whistleblower, Gary Shapley, and his attorneys, Tristan Levitt and Jason Foster from the Empower Whistleblower Center. This is a very important conversation. I want people to listen. There are really two components of it. Today, we're going to focus with Gary Shapley on the cover-up, the intrusion, the obstruction that occurred in the Hunter Biden laptop probe. You're going to hear from Gary Shapley that there was significant evidence that warranted searching Joe Biden's house, searching Hunter Biden's business storage locker to interview the Joe Biden grandchildren, Hunter Biden's children, and to charge Hunter Biden all the way back to 2014 with tax evasion at a felony level, not the two misdemeanors he's getting now, including that it was money that he dodged taxes on included money from Burisma Holdings in Ukraine. Remember when we were told there was nothing there, everything was on the up and up with Burisma. We now know there's a lot that wasn't on the up and up with Burisma. But Gary's going to talk about all those things. His lawyers are going to weigh in on some important topics. And I think you're going to learn a lot. I think the one of the most important things I want to draw out of him today, it appears to me from the records that Congress released, though I'm not 100% certain, that Gary Shapley believes that Hunter Biden has never paid taxes on his uh, on $400,000 of Burisma Holdings income that he got in 2014. I want to confirm that with him today. And, and so we'll get into the intricacies of the case. How widespread was the belief that Hunter Biden should be charged with more serious crimes? Did Merrick Garland not tell the truth when he said that Weiss could charge in each case he wanted? Because obviously we believe the Washington U.S. attorney and the California Los Angeles U.S. attorney, both Joe Biden appointees, turned down. We're going to find that out from Gary Shapley today as well. And uh, it's going to be a very big day. This is a very important interview. He's a very thoughtful man. This is a man who's been an IRS agent for 14 years. He's brought some of their biggest cases. He's recovered billions of dollars, billions of dollars for the United States taxpayer in very important tax cases, including against the Swiss banks overseas. And now he's facing retribution. And tomorrow, most of the show will be focused on talking to Gary Shapley about the retribution he has faced since he came forward and blew the whistle on the irregularities that went on in the Hunter Biden tax case. That's something I think we all need to come to grips with, and that'll be tomorrow's focus. Today, we'll be on the cover-up, on the obstruction, on the tampering 
with the Hunter Biden case. The question we all need to know, did Hunter Biden get treated differently than any other person who was potentially a tax defendant? And we'll find that answer out just a few minutes from Gary Shapley, the IRS supervisory agent and now whistleblower to the House Ways and Means Committee and the Justice Department Inspector General. In the second half of the show, we're going to do a little bit of politics and a little bit of following up on the consequences for the dispute between Merrick Garland's testimony and these two IRS whistleblowers. Remember, Gary Shapley is also supported by another IRS whistleblower. In this second segment of the show, former House Judiciary Committee ranking Republican Congressman Doug Collins, former Congressman Doug Collins from Georgia, he's going to weigh in on the seriousness of whether we might see impeachment proceedings and an impeachment investigation against Attorney General Merrick Garland or any other cabinet members of the Biden administration or Joe Biden himself. You're going to enjoy that. Amanda Head and I had a good conversation with him the other day. You're going to enjoy that. And then yesterday there was a historic ruling by the Supreme Court, the United States Supreme Court. And we're going to have Michael Watley on the show. He's the North Carolina Republican Party chairman, state party chairman for North Carolina for the Republicans. His party sued, saying that courts shouldn't be allowed to intervene on things like reapportionment and the setting of election districts that the founding fathers intended there to be a supreme legislative authority. Basically, legislature should be solely allowed to make those decisions. The Supreme Court disagreed. And that was a big loss for conservatives, big win for liberal activists and people who like the courts monitoring election matters. So Michael Watley is going to give us his take on that. He's one of the more successful Republican Party chairmen. And before we go to commercial break, we would be remiss if we didn't focus on the extraordinary decision handed down today. The Supreme Court in two cases, one involving Harvard University, have basically struck down race-based admission policies, affirmative action. The color of a person's skin should not play a role in providing preference to college admissions. I think a lot of everyday Americans applaud that. The left will be and is already very upset by this. This is a watershed. It's the first time since the civil rights era in the 60s that there is now a ruling against race-based admissions in colleges. A lot of people think that that race-based admissions has now become a discriminatory process in and of itself. Well, the United States Supreme Court, its conservative majority today, absolutely ruled it is unconstitutional to use race as a basis, a primary basis for enrollment decisions or admission decisions, I should say. All right, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, the IRS whistleblower in the Hunter Biden case, Gary Shapley and his lawyers, Jason Foster and Tristan Levitt, right after these messages. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation, and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold, and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it, with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friend, who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, 
Text Just News to 989898 right now. Hey folks, it's John Solomon here. Today, I want to shine a light on AMAC, an organization who's dedicated to America's seniors, but is vital for conservatives of all ages. AMAC stands out by not only advocating for senior issues, but also by pushing for conservative values that affect us all. By joining, you're not just supporting our senior citizens, you're part of a movement defending the freedoms that made this country great and to ensure that we secure our nation's future. Plus, membership brings you exclusive benefits like discounts on travel, dining, and entertainment, and of course, special insurance rates, one of the things I like. Regardless of your age, if you're driven to preserve freedom, AMAC welcomes you. This is about uniting youthful vigor with the wisdom of experience and our quest to keep this country great. Sign up now for amac.us slash justnews. And for a limited time, you get a free gift membership for someone else who shares your love for our great nation. Don't miss out on this chance to make a difference from AMAC. Join today at amac.us slash justnews. That's amac.us slash justnews. And extend the invitation to a friend or family member for free. What a great opportunity. All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. As you know, for 35 years and working for the Associated Press, Washington Post, and lots of other news organizations, I've covered a lot of important whistleblowing cases. They are extraordinary stories because the American public learned about something wrong in the system. And the system has a way of then retaliating against truth tellers. Ultimately, the whistleblowers usually come out whole and the American people are made better. But it is an extraordinary, harrowing journey if you're one of those folks. And today, we are very, very lucky to be joined by a whistleblower who's now quite famous in America for telling us the truth about the Biden tax case. Gary Shapley is a senior criminal IRS investigative agent, one of the most decorated, did some of the most important cases the IRS has done in the last decade, the Swiss bank cases and others. And he had the courage, along with some of his other colleagues, to come forward and blow the whistle on the irregularities going on in the Hunter Biden case. And we are very lucky to be joined by him and his two very great lawyers from Empower Oversight. You know both of them because they've been on the show before, Jason Foster and Tristan Levitt. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Good to be here, John. Thank you. It's a great honor, sir. I've watched your interviews. We've read that testimony. We've looked at the documents. And I think people really understand the story because it's just so factually clear. There's no opinion here. There's a very factual, clear record. I just want to ask the big question. It seems to me there was a reason to charge Hunter Biden with a lot more, at least some more crimes based on the evidence. And that didn't happen because of political pressures. Is that ultimately the thing that makes you come forward? Well, the, uh, you know, the, 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 taking these to uh, D.C. and to the California U.S. Attorney's Office and um, and being denied. It was uh, obviously uh, the injection of, of political influence since, of course, those two U.S. US attorneys were uh, um, appoint, uh, appointed by the subject's father, right. which are obvious conflicts of interest. And, and to add to that, we have, uh, you know, Attorney General Garland, you know, when when he's ever questioned about this case and why he doesn't need a, a, a special prosecutor on this case, he's saying because, you know, uh, David Weiss is in charge. And um, it just isn't the way the facts worked. It isn't the way this case went. And um, ultimately, uh, on October 7th, 2022, when when uh, uh, U.S. Attorney Weiss confirmed that uh, D.C. had, in fact, declined to allow charges to be brought there, and that he had requested special counsel authority and was denied um, that that those were definitely driving factors in, in, in me coming forward. 
um, as well as, you know, him just flat out saying in that meeting that he's not the deciding person on whether charges are filed. Yeah. Yeah, it's really remarkable. When you're investigating this in 2020 and forward, there's a big debate going on in the public about the Hunter Biden laptop, and everybody, in the, at least on half of the aisle, are saying it's all a mirage, it's Russian disinformation. The team that's sitting there, and they know the evidence, right? They know there were things that you wanted to ask about Joe Biden and the grandchildren. Hunter Biden, there's a storage locker you want to search lawfully. You meet the standard. It must have been hard to remain silent at that point because, you know, the political realm was very misinformed. And yet you guys stayed silent. You didn't leak one bit. You you just went about and did your jobs, even though probably you knew that the public wasn't getting a full story at that point. Is that hard to do as an agent? Well, it was difficult, and um, as you see in my transcript, that I raised that to uh, uh, AUSA Leslie Wolf in an email where I'm telling her, "Look, we need to talk about this laptop because you know IRSCI was the affiant to, to gain a legal access to the contents of that laptop." So it was difficult, but at the time, um, you know, we we were excited as a team moving forward because we were going overt and we were having a day of action and. Even though the timing of that was uh, w- was manipulated by the prosecutors and, and DOJ, um, you know, as an investigator, we're really just looking to move it forward to see if the evidence there and to collect that evidence. So um, we were a little bit, you know, um, um, focused on on moving it forward as opposed to all the things that could be going wrong. Yeah, that's really remarkable. And there are questions that I think the investigators came across with President Biden and the, the candidate Biden that they just, you just weren't, weren't simply allowed to ask. Those questions remain unanswered today, as best you know, right? The investigation never got to ask or examine those questions. Is that correct? Yeah, as, as far as I know. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, it's fascinating to watch. If the name wasn't Biden, based on all the experience and the cases you've done, and you brought some big cases, important cases, uh, would the tactics normally you asked for have been approved here? The name Biden made a difference, didn't it? The evidence um, that we collected that that were uh, uh, matched up with the elements of the criminal violations that we referred in the special agent report, this exhibited to the House Ways and Means Committee, those elements were met and then some. If the these facts were from the local businessman or the neighbor next door, they would have been charged they would have uh, uh, already probably uh, had their entire sentence. Um, so it's, it's, it's a little bit challenging when, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm pro IRSCI, I'm pro mission, I'm pro agency. I have a lot of great, I've been a senior leader at this agency. I have a lot of great friends in senior leadership and I believe in what we're doing, but I believe in what we're doing when we're treating people fairly and, uh, you know, it just didn't happen in this particular case. Yeah, the name on the case shouldn't matter. The evidence and the facts do. And it's clear you that's how you practiced your work every day. The facts and evidence are all that matter, not who it was. There is indications from the reporting I've done. Certainly, there's at least one other whistleblower that's public. But it seems to me that the concerns that you had were probably more widely shared, right? There are a lot of people that maybe haven't come forward yet, but there are other witnesses for Congress potentially to go find who probably had the same sentiments. Were more than just you concerned about the behavior in this case? Yeah, and um, I tried to be um, um, pretty complete in my uh, my testimony to, to House Ways and Means Committee. For that exact purpose, because, you know, I, I was the supervisor of the Hunter Biden investigation and, and, and criminal activity that would, would be found during that investigation. 
I didn't conduct an investigation on on how the U.S. Attorney's Office in Delaware and DOJ handled this case. So, you know, that's up to Congress to do, and that's up to the Department of Justice Inspector General's Office to do. And, uh, you know, I can help them be very surgical in their in their investigation. And, uh, you know, I hope that I've given them a good head start. Yeah. Well, you've certainly given the public a head start to understand more the information we've been denied, too. That's a very important part. This case started with apparently a, if I understand, an amateur pornography site, foreign-owned, and then kind of evolved into the tax case. Is there anything about that start to the case that was unusual? Have other cases come from that? Is there anything you could talk about in that, the origins of this case of how you get working on it? So how I began working on it was it, it, it was already initiated. Um, I had nothing to do with the initiation, development, approval, um, anything to do with that. So, um, you know, I, I was just I was a, I was the supervisory special agent of a general purpose group um, with a with a big uh, uh, background in international. So, um, you know, they promoted me into the to be the supervisor of this international tax group. And um, and and it was in the inventory there. So, you know, any any uh, any indicate any you know uh, uh, information that would say that um, I had anything to do with like some bias there would just be uh, inaccurate. Yeah. No, it clearly, clearly, it's, 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 these are the way cases normally come to the IRS. Some you learn about some enterprise and you want to, you want to do it. Is there any indication that Hunter Biden was paying money to this pornography site or making money off it? I mean, there, there's some ambiguity. I didn't quite understand that. Is there anything you could talk about that wouldn't be prohibited under the disclosures you've made? Yeah. So that's something that I, that I had spoke about my, my transcript. So I, I definitely stay away from that. Absolutely. That's good. I don't want to cause any trouble for you. And that it is a good question. Now we know publicly you've addressed this, that you weren't aware of the FBI informant and the allegations against Joe Biden, maybe being involved in some bribery scheme involving Ukraine. Is there anything you've seen that led you to believe that there needed to be an investigation into whether Joe Biden was receiving any monies through his son's business or in return for his son's work. So, you know, the, the, the informant, yes, we, uh, you know, I suppl- we supplemented um, our testimony to my testimony to House Ways and Means, the document that was released that explained um, my interactions or lack of interaction with that uh, particular CHS and, and that Form 1023. Um, it was it, it actually as the pieces come together and it was Bill Barr who I was I saw in an interview that, that stated quickly that that it wasn't disinformation that he sent it to Delaware to further investigate and we just simply did not receive uh, that document for review if uh, you know we worked very closely with the FBI agents on this case including their uh, their national security agent um, and I'm, I'm very confident that, that no one on the team working that ever saw that document and uh, were able to take any steps to, uh, to investigate the veracity of that document. Yeah. And there's some public emails. I've made them public because we gleaned them off the laptop. We authenticated them with the business partners that were involved in it. So we know them to be contemporaneous emails where Hunter Biden is discussing with people like Eric Schwerin that, uh, hey, you haven't been paying your taxes for three years out of Ukraine. Did that information ever get to you or did you first learn about it after you get involved in the congressional and IG whistleblowing process? Uh, so I'll be a little bit careful here, um, but I did say in my transcript 
the, the answer is yes, we knew about that. Um, and uh, I did say in my transcript that um, that concerning a 2014 year and the Burisma income that wasn't reported uh, on Hunter Biden's tax returns and has never been reported on his tax returns, um, that Eric Schwerin did send emails um, telling him they needed to amend his returns and uh, that that never, uh, the amendments were never filed. That's an important point. Hey, John. Yes, sir. Just stepping back for a second to your to your question about the 1023 and the fact that, um, you know, uh, Gary's very confident that, that neither he nor anybody on his team were ever made aware of it or ever um, uh, was ever investigating it. I think it's important for the public and the folks to understand that um, it's kind of hard to believe if you know the, the kind of work that Gary and Gary's team did. It's kind of hard to believe um, that it was ever investigated in any serious way if his team wasn't involved. That's right. You know, so uh, because if, I mean, he, his team is the team that the, they're the experts. They're the elite. They're the SEAL Team 6 of tracking foreign money through a bunch of LLCs. Right. And the allegation in that um, in that uh, 1023 form is that, you know, there's even bragging about. That's right. You know, it would take 10 years to track all the money. Well, you know who would be tracking the money? If anybody in the federal government would be doing it, it would be... Team led by Gary, right? Gary and his team. Yeah, that's what we've heard. It's totally not credible to think that it was, in my opinion, I'm not speaking for Gary, I'm speaking for me here, it's totally not credible that it was ever investigated in any serious way by the government if Gary wasn't involved. Yeah, no, I think that's exactly right. I want to just focus in on one thing Gary said, because one of the things Hunter Biden seems to say, well, we've paid a lot of money back. We've gotten right with the government. We're going to take accountability. But you said something in the testimony. You just said it again. I think a lot of people don't understand this. If there is a $400,000 bill, which is what the IRS determined and what his own accountant determined, he's never paid the government those taxes, right? He's still in arrears on those taxes. So if you're specific, Specifically talking about the Burisma income for 2014, there was even conservatively, it was $400,000 of unreported Burisma income on his income tax returns. And, there, you know, that was around, uh, you know, $120,000, $125,000 tax withholding as a result of that failure to, to report that income. And uh, so that's still outstanding. And because, you know, 2014 and 15 was denied by uh, the D.C. U.S. attorney, and then D David Weiss uh, requested special counsel authority, didn't get it, that they allowed that statute of limitations to expire, um, even though defense counsel had signed extensions on that previously. There's no legal remedy to, to go and get that money um, unless he does it voluntarily. Was there any evidence that explained why Hunter Biden wouldn't pay that money? I mean, he, it was a high profile job that had been announced at the time. It's really playing a risky game if you just choose not to pay your taxes when, you know, people know you got this job in Ukraine that's been announced by the company. Did any evidence come up to explain motive why he just wouldn't pay for it? Well, you know, I, I, the only thing I can opine on his motive is, is what I said in the, during uh, my, my transcribed interview was that um, you know, he did set up a, a, a whole nominee apparatus with Devin Archer and Rosemont Seneca Bohai, and um, and that money was diverted to that nominee organization. So uh, it's pretty classic uh, a tax evasion scheme, and it was uh, it was for the purpose of of not paying taxes on this income. And then we see the next the classic tax evasion scheme is when that money goes back to you. It's it's somehow classified as a loan. So you know, even the parties didn't treat the money the same because uh, Hunter Biden's telling his people that there are loans to him and, and Devin Archer and Rosemont Seneca Bohai 
are booking those as expenses on their books. So even the two parties that 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 of the supposed loan didn't treat that the same way. Gary, this is what you've described as textbook, you know, uh, tax decision, right? This is like day one in the academy. Yeah, that that that's correct. I mean, this wasn't the the tracing the money, you know, had some complexities because it had some international aspects, but um, you know, there's clearly a contract that that we have that is between Burisma and Hunter Biden. When Hunter Biden gets paid that money, um, it's tax is taxable right then, and he diverts it to a third party, and then comes back to him, you know, as a purported loan, and uh, the the whole part about uh, explaining this uh uh is is just you know can uh, additional affirmative acts of evasion how he he uh created the scheme to aid and then tells you know his people that that these are loans yeah uh, you did such a good job in your testimony it made it really clear and you're right this is i've looked at some other tax cases like oh they this is like a well-known scheme you do this and and it's amazing that he would take the risk Last question before I turn to the retribution part, because I think that's such an important story that hasn't gotten the attention yet. But China and Romania are two places where we're now seeing really extensive involvement by Hunter Biden. I just got some new emails from the State Department to have you working on those. Was there any evidence of evasion on Chinese money or Romanian money that came in? So I'm just I'm just careful here because uh, I didn't I didn't address that directly. And um you know, to be, you didn't to be address honest, it on your transcript, then then you need to not address it. Yeah, and and the case agent, uh, I feel like he addressed it, but it was something. It's something I'd still like to stay away from, just because you know, uh, as a supervisor, you know, I, I I know a lot about this case, but I mean, the case agent is just just absolutely fantastic and knows one hundred percent of everything on this case. So. Um, I, I, I would rather stay away from that topic. Yeah, no, that's good. And again, we want to stay within the confines of the law. There's so much to talk about within that. So that's a good thing. I, I want to pivot to the part that I've seen in, in Chronicle for a long time. And I, it may have been, I think Jason and Tristan might have been working at this time in the Hill, but some of the early FBI whistleblowers from the FBI lab and from that time forward, it really became apparent to me that when whistleblowers come forward, there's a personal toll that the public hardly ever sees, but you see it. And what makes you really extraordinary is that until October of 2022, I mean, you're at, you're at the top of the game and the IRS is giving you awards. You're, you're growing in authority. You're trusted. You're going around meeting with other countries, right? You, you had an impeccable record with awards and the sort of cases that they give the very best of the IRS, like, like the nail, I think one of your lawyers said the Navy SEAL, team of the IRS, you had a, a really extraordinary record of accomplishment that the IRS acknowledged regularly. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. I mean, in October of, of 2022, I was assistant special agent in charge in Chicago, receiving the highest performance evaluation score um, available. And I was also, you know, representative to the Joint Chiefs of Global Tax Enforcement, known as a J5. And, you know, being the, the 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 front contact on operations on all of uh, the U.S. facing cases and that endeavor, and I still maintain operational control over um, uh, this Hunter Biden case just for the purpose of continuity, and so we didn't have actors, uh, you know, having to uh, to step in and deal with that. So, yeah, so John, I mean, what he's telling what he's telling you in simple English is he's doing like three jobs at once. Yeah, yeah. Gary, Gary, can you quantify? quantify for everyone how much you think that you've helped the government to recover 
So uh, it's around $3.5 billion um, right now that I was either the, the direct case agent on or uh, or supervisor of. And, um, you know, we're, we're close to there's there's going to be a couple large cases. They're going to be uh, settled toward, before the end of the year in the billion dollar range. So uh, by the end of the year, you know, we're going to, you know, I would have uh, been involved directly in well over $5 million uh, recovered for the United States government. Well, we have talked to a couple of foreign countries, law enforcement who work with you, who speak highly of you. And I can't find a person in the rank and file of IRS, FBI, who we've talked to, who, and quite frankly, many of the prosecutors who work with you, we've done a lot of due diligence uh, leading to, you know, when, before you were coming forward. And your record of success is impeccable. Your tactics are really admired by people. You really are one of the best that the IRS has. And increasingly, you were interfacing with foreign governments. And that doesn't happen unless you really win the trust of your bosses. But you started to become a more public face to foreign governments, correct, for the government? Yeah, that's correct. And, uh, you know, when the, when the J-5 stood up, uh, you know, I was one of the, the original members of that and was chosen, handpicked by the chief of uh, IRSCI, uh, Don Fort. And, uh, you know, I was charged with helping set that up. And, you know, I, I was I was in charge of setting up the whole operational side of, of the tax uh, investigations. And I worked very closely with with the heads of HMRC, of course, with the UK, uh, ATO with Australia, ACIC with Australia, CRA with uh, with Canada and the field with uh, with the Netherlands. So I've worked with those people for years and years. Some of them I crossed paths with. Uh, on Credit Suisse investigations uh, before that. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I've, I've had a good run. I've had a good run. Hey, John, can I underline something? So, you know, it's interesting. You said, uh, it, yeah, you talked about not being able to find anybody in your uh, independent reporting, you know, that was uh, other rank and file folks or, you know, who had a bad word to say about him. I think it's important to note one of the one of the sort of the things out there in the bloodstream and people trying to push back against Gary right now is, you know, this notion that, hey, look, this is no big deal. Cops and prosecutors disagree on what, you know, cops always think they have a better case and the prosecutors always want more information, um, you know, always want to always want a 100 percent chance of conviction and so forth. So this is, you know, this is just the normal cop versus prosecutor thing. That is absolutely not the case here. And I think that you're that that can be that can be proven by the fact that it's not like Gary has a history of problems with other U.S. attorney's offices and, you know, pushing back when they didn't charge what he wanted to get charged. And I think his reputation, as we were just talking about, it's it's not only great within the IRS, it would be good, you know, if, if people will do the reporting and go talk to others, you know, they'll find that he works extremely well and is extremely successful working with multiple U.S. attorneys. He does. And we did something fun. We went and got someone who brought some of the biggest, largest tax cases up in Connecticut, which is right in the shadows of New York. So there's a lot of big tax cases. There are a prosecutor who did it for 30 years and his respect for you is you know, off the chart. But a second part of it's very important. He said, I can tell you the behavior he describes in documents does not happen in a tax case on a daily basis. This is not a dispute. There was a thwarting of the normal investigative tactics that every agent should be allowed to use. And this is a guy that comes from a democratic state. He just said, listen, I got to call it while I see it. You guys are interfered with. There's so many people that support your work right now. Colleagues you've worked with, prosecutors worked with, foreign countries that you worked with, and prosecutors who we asked to look at this. We want to do due diligence. Well, you never know if someone's telling the truth and they first come forward. To a person, the experts who brought tax cases say there is nothing about this that was normal. This was handled in extraordinarily compromised ways. And the agent is telling you the truth when he says this is not the way it should have happened. 
So there's a lot of people coming forward. And I think even now there's a, you had to read to the 20th graph of the New York Times, but there was even the New York Times said, Oh, we have confirmed your story, Gary. So factually and people who've worked with you, your story holds up 100%. All right, folks, don't go anywhere. When we come back, former Congressman Doug Collins used to be the ranking Republican on House Judiciary Committee, very close to Jim Jordan and the gang that's currently investigating the weaponization of government. Well, Doug Collins is going to break some news here with us just right after the commercial break. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS. They know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. Folks, Field of Greens is the healthiest thing I do every day, and I want you on this journey with me. Why? It's literally one scoop a day. It tastes great. I love the fruit flavors particularly, and it's completely improved my life and my health. This is nutrition the way nature intended. When I began taking a hard look at why I wasn't feeling good and why I felt unhealthy, why I was gaining weight, why I was losing energy, it wasn't just because I had hit my 50s. No, it was because I wasn't getting the right amount of fruit and vegetables in my diet. And listen, it's, I'm just too busy to go to the store, clean up the vegetables, cook uh, uh, vegetable dinners, and make sure I hit the fruit. A field of greens stepped in. One scoop of powder in my drink or on my eggs in the morning, and boom, I was off and feeling better. And suddenly, I was losing weight. I was sleeping better. My metabolism went up. My blood sugar went down. My cholesterol went down, and my weight went down. And my doctor said, hey, whatever you're doing, keep it doing. You know what that is? It's Field of Greens. That's what I've been doing. Field of Greens is radically different. Each organic fruit and vegetable was medically chosen to support heart and vital organ health. I trust Field of Greens to keep me healthy. I promise you, you're going to love this product. But if for any reason you don't, they'll give you your 100% money back guarantee. Now, you're going to get 15% off your first order plus free rush shipping because of the incredible partnership we have here at Just the News with Brick. House Nutrition, and of course, Field of Greens. All you got to do to take advantage of this offer, visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Don't wait. Go to fieldofgreens.com today. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS for 15% off. Welcome back with the recent conversations regarding the impeachments of Secretary Mayorkas, President Joe Biden, and Attorney General Merrick Garland taking place within the halls of Congress. We couldn't think of a better guest to bring on to talk about what our nation's political future looks like if these endeavors actually have success. So he is the former ranking member on the House Judiciary Committee and the current host of one of mine and John's favorite podcasts, the Doug Collins podcast. Doug Collins podcast. He's former Georgia Congressman Doug Collins. And he joins us now. Congressman, thank you for being here. 
Uh, it's always good to be with you. Y'all make my day. <laughs> oh, likewise. And I can't wait because I know this answer is going to make my day. Um, you've got <laughs> Mayorkas, who pretty substantial case behind him, considering the disaster at the border. Um, you have President Joe Biden, who sits at the top of it all. And I don't we only have, what, 40 minutes left in the show. We don't have time to enumerate, <laughs> I think, the reasons that Republicans could bring forward. Uh, A.G. Merrick Garland, after the testimony of Durham and the two IRS whistleblowers, who should come first? Well, I mean, you can sort of just, you know, at some point just uh, put their pictures on a wall and decide and just, just pick. But here's what I want to say. I, I think let me, let me answer your question directly. I think it'll either be Garland is my is my or my orcas, one or the other. But Garland seems to be gathering more attention now, especially with what we're seeing with some of the uh, what is appears to be interference in uh, from the DOJ and the FBI and, and the uh, continued uh, frustrations that we're seeing through not only the Trump uh, issues, but also the Biden issues. And it just seems to be a problem there. And Garland seems to be you know, asleep at the wheel at it. But I want to say something as, as ranking member of the House Judiciary is one who is the, at least they tried to show a hearing, which they didn't even come close to in the time. I was having to defend this. I want the Republicans to do it right. I want them to, to put an impeachment resolution on the floor. I want them to vote on it, get it to the committee. I want the impeach. I want the Judiciary Committee and Jim Jordan to have all full vested interest of an impeachment panel. I want them to do the investigations. I want them to interview people. I want them to put it on the record. And then I want them to bring it forward. If they do that, then they have a better chance of winning over the American people on why this actually matters. If they do it like the Democrats did it, which was wrong and terrible and divisive for this country, then I don't think they'll get what they want. So that is, I caveat all of this by saying they've got to do it right. They cannot go for political expediency here. Mm. Yeah, yeah, there's exactly. It was meant to be done right. It was meant to be a very solemn event, exactly. not a drive-by shooting like we had in uh, January of 2021. Um, Congressman, uh, there is uh, the behavior of the Justice Department uh, as exposed by the IRS. And by the way, these IRS whistleblowers aren't just giving us verbal accounts. They brought right. receipts with them, right? You've got them turning down a search warrant uh, uh, for both Joe Biden's house and uh, a storage locker that Hunter Biden had with probable cause met. They were told they met the probable cause standard. They can't do it. You can't interview the president's grandchildren. It's bad for your career. You can't bring charges, even though everybody agrees you should bring charges. We're going to let the statute of limitations expire on the most serious stuff. Uh, and the FBI has had since 2017 a, 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 an informant saying Joe Biden was involved in a in a in, uh, some sort of a bribery scheme involving Burisma, which we impeached Donald Trump over. All of this happens, and it's clear that Joe Biden gets a very different treatment than Donald Trump. How did the Justice Department become so uh, two-sided? How did it become uh, the justice stop being blind? It's a great question, John. You and Amanda and I have talked about this a lot, and John, yeah. you just laid it out very well. Yeah, look, I think it goes back, and I'm going to just be, uh, I think it's 20, 25 years here. I think there was a slow progression from this, especially in the FBI, and it really accelerated under Barack Obama, Eric Holder. Now, and I know some people don't want to look backwards, and that's fine, but at least accept the facts. When we started seeing the politicization of the attorney general, which then led to the FBI, and you saw the rise of, let me just give the names, Strzok, Comey, Page, McCabe, right. uh, all these, you know, or family, uh, all of these who came up through this, who in 2016 said, we're going to stop Donald Trump. And they were left to unchecked and there was no uh, real uh, accountability there. And then as you've moved forward, this is the problem that we're, we're seeing with Department of Justice is that they become so concerned about their own image and so concerned about the politicalization that they are influenced by. And now with Merrick Garland, 
um, you know, it, again, it's just it's amplified even more. And this is concerning to the American people and that they've got to be able to look at this and say there's a Department of Justice and FBI that actually does follow the law, that goes after the people that need to go after. But when you're seeing things like this and, and you know, when they come out and say, well, he could charge anything he wants, the right. prosecution in, he could charge everything. But if he was not allowed to investigate everything, then how do you bring proper charges? This is why I say Garland probably is at the top of the list. And can you just imagine the two of you if he was actually sitting on the Supreme Court? Yeah. <laughs> that almost happened. Very, yes. very narrowly did not. Um, I want to ask you, uh, since, since you both brought up the disparate treatment, uh, President Trump's two impeachments, Congresswoman Elise Stefanik introduced this resolution to expunge it from the record. Um, it's already happened. Um, what, what's the benefit of that? I know politically it would be nice to, to have these two things wiped away from Democrats' success record, but is, is there any importance to it beyond that? Probably not, except for the president himself. You know, I think, you know, would want that. And, and I get that. But again, in this, you know, I just asked in this atmosphere, is that going to move us forward to getting rid of Joe Biden? Is it going to move us forward in Donald Trump's case? If you're wanting Donald Trump back in the White House, is it going to move him closer to getting back in the White House? I'm not so sure about that, but it does fester up the left and they'll bring out everything in the world, even though we've seen that the dossier was false, even though we've seen all the charges false. We've seen that the telephone call to the Ukrainian uh, prime minister was nothing to impeach anybody. On. You know, again, it just it keeps this festering. Look, I understand it completely. I think he should have never been uh, impeached before uh, on either count. And I vehemently fought the first one um, was not there for the second, one, which was, as John said, just a it was a sham from minute one. But again, the question is, what is the cost benefit analysis of it? I sort of get it. But also I'm looking at it from the chess perspective, not the checkers perspective and says, look, I want to win elections and I want to make sure that we're focused on Joe Biden's incompetency, Joe Biden's possible corruption, and the in the whole issue there of the Biden administration. Yeah, so important. Just before we got on the air, Congressman, I had a good chance to talk to Alan Dershowitz on a story I'm working in. He said something mm -hmm. profound to me today, which is he's given a lot of thought of this, and he believes the judge should refuse the plea bargain for Hunter Biden until these issues of was uh, Merrick Garland telling the truth was the U.S. attorney kept from really investigating the crimes. Your thoughts on the judge's uh, uh, independence to maybe say, you know what, I've seen too much. I don't want this plea deal done until I learn more. Uh, exactly. I mean, I think Alan may be on to something here because everybody just believes that uh, the plea deal is just going to go through. And no, the judge has to sign off on a That's plea right. deal and they can ask for documents. They can ask for even testimony if they wanted to, to say, is this, a you know, looking at it from the perspective of, is this a right sentence? And look, even look, I may have my problems with the criminal justice system and I have my problems with BOP and over criminalization of some things. But when you're just as blatant as you are with Hunter Biden's charges and you're blatant with the fact I, I've said this before, especially that gun charge bothers me yep. more than anything because that pretrial diversion means that he can buy a gun later after he lied. I don't really want to hear the left ever lecture me again on taking my guns. Give me a break. If you wanted to stand up for gun and you thought guns were bad, then you would stand up more on this one. So I think the judge has a very, I think Alan has a very valid point there. That is something that the judge could do. I would hope that they would and not just rubber stamp uh, what the Dutch Department of Justice looks to be just pushing this off uh, and to try and expediently get rid of it. And let me ask if Amanda would just give me one second. Uh, some members of law, some lawmakers are talking about filing a victim saying that on behalf of the American people, Congress is a victim to this scheme. We don't think this is a good deal. What do you think of lawmakers getting involved in putting a victim statement in? Uh, fine. I mean, I, again, I don't think that'll a lot of bearing. I think what right. needs to be had is what is what Alan and maybe some in right. the media here talking about is that maybe the. Uh, 
um, is putting pressure on to say, hey, look, judge, you need to look at this right. a little bit further. Good. Okay, we have about 60 seconds left. So since we're talking about the Bidens, I want to roll, roll tape on something that went viral that President Biden said. Okay. I was just thinking, uh, uh, the, anyway, I started off without you. And I sold a lot of state secrets and a lot of very important things that we shared. We now know a lot of money rolled into the Biden family, whether he was wow. actually in office as vice president or between then and now. Um, was this President Biden saying the quiet part out loud or does he just have the audacity to say something like that because he knows nothing will ever happen? I think it's more the audacity side. What really bothered me more about that quote is this. I was thinking, uh, 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 <laughs> I was thinking, well, OK. And then he just said, well, then we just started without you. Look, it doesn't surprise me anything Joe Biden says nowadays. And this is why they have Democrats are just completely behind the scenes scrambling. So, look, I think it was a very you ever been to the party and you had that one person who always told the jokes that was black timing and lack proper context. There's Joe Biden. Here's, the, here's your sign. All right, folks, we got one more good one. Yep, Michael Watley, the Republican Party chairman of North Carolina, the plaintiff in a landmark lawsuit involving the Supreme Court and legislative rights to set the terms of elections. We're going to have that right after these messages. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Welcome back, America. Amanda and I do a ton of reporting on politics, and a lot of times we ask the question, who's getting things right? And I got to tell you, our next, case na- our next guest name comes up all the time. He's the chairman of the North Carolina Republican Party. He is growing the Republican Party by leaps and bounds in that state. He's our good friend, Michael Watley, and he joins us now. Michael, good to have you back on the show. John, it is good to be back, and I have to say thank you again for coming down and kicking off our convention a couple of weeks ago. Uh- I am still getting people who are calling and texting me about what a great job you did. Well, it was fun to just be a journalist and talk to people and answer questions. And uh, I got some great questions. It was a ton of fun. I want to start with a question. Obviously, a lot of people had hope for the North Carolina reapportionment case before the Supreme Court. Supreme Court said, no, courts can still have a say in this. Uh, legislative authority is not supreme. Just want to get your reaction. I know uh, you guys felt strongly about this. Your thoughts about it. Look, at the end of the day, the U.S. Supreme Court said that the North Carolina courts could review our congressional maps. Our North Carolina Supreme Court has reviewed our congressional maps. They have said that the uh, courts cannot uh, uh, draw the maps themselves. And uh, they have said that they have uh, ordered the uh, legislature to redraw our congressional maps. So, you know, you've got three interacting parts, the NC Supreme Court, the U.S. Supreme Court, and the legislature are all in agreement that the legislature is going to draw new maps. So we are ready to go. 
Uh, we will get new maps this fall, and we expect really good things in the 24 election cycle coming out of this. Yeah, that's important. Michael, I, I want to have a bit of a silver lining here, because even though I know that case didn't go the way of North Carolina Republic, Republicans the way that you had hoped, um, does this say something a little bit good for maybe Republicans in super blue states? Yeah, I think it does. And look, at the end of the day, this is a status quo ruling. What they decided to do was not change the law, not change what the North Carolina Supreme Court has done. So we don't necessarily see this as a loss. We see this as we had an opportunity to further restrict court review. But uh, at the end of the day, they said the courts can review and they agree with what the courts have already done. And so we're actually in a really good place in North Carolina because last election cycle, we won the Supreme Court and our court has reviewed the maps and said that we need to get new ones. Yeah, that's important. Mm. Um, Michael, there is, uh, I walked away with a lot of impressions. First off, the fact that uh, all the major contenders showed up at the North Carolina Republican Party tells you something, but there was a lot of discussion among the rank and file there about embracing early voting, getting mail-in ballots, getting absentee ballots, really outdoing the Democrats who sort of mastered it the last couple of elections. To me, when I look at the vote totals, a lot of these states, which are often 10 to 40,000 difference in statewide races, it seems like this could be a game changer. Is the momentum building for Republicans to mount something they've never done before? It really is. You know, you think about North Carolina, we had over half of our Republican voters voted before Election Day yeah. in the 2022 election cycle. And we expect that that number is going to continue to grow. We're now seeing all across the country that Republicans are adopting best practices. And really, it doesn't change our messaging much. What it does is our moves are messaging earlier. And so we're just making sure that we are talking to those voters before they go vote. What we don't want to do is have a big door knocking program or phone calling program or send out a bunch of mail to people when they've already voted. Great we point. want to make sure that we're influencing those voters by talking to them earlier. Yeah, really great. Michael, I want to ask you a fly on the wall question, because I know at your state convention, you had three very big names. President Trump was the headliner. You had his VP, Mike Pence, and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, all three of them there, all three running for president. What was the reception like for each of those men? The reception was fantastic. I think that, uh, you know, you had 2000 people in that hall that are not just 2000 voters. They're 2000 leaders. They're grassroots activists. Uh, they are party leaders. Uh, from all across the state, from all 100 counties. And they gave a great reaction to all of those because all three of them had an opportunity to put their vision out in front of the party. And those those visions collectively are for a better America, for a better North Carolina. And any one of those three would do significantly better than what we're seeing from Joe Biden right now. Yeah. And if Joe Biden doesn't have his own problems, boy, the vice president sure does. Kamala Harris, all time net negative rating of minus 17. That even now does Sparrow Agnew and other vice presidents who had a tough time. Um, your thoughts about the Kamala Harris uh, dynamic. It actually drags Joe Biden further down, doesn't it? It really does, because she is not ready for prime time. She is not ready to step up in case something would happen to the president. And I really see that as a potential drag on the ticket. Um, and so as, as we look forward to our slate, I think you just look at our bench from top to bottom on the Republican side of the aisle. So good, so strong that we have the opportunity to put in a top notch presidential candidate, a top notch vice presidential candidate. Um, and I think that that's going to really help us come November of 24. Yeah. 
Michael, I want to ask you about something else that made headlines across America and especially in North Carolina. There has been this uh, sweeping effort across America to preserve life and to value life. And uh, your elected leaders in North Carolina just overrode your Democrat Governor Roy Cooper's uh, veto on abortion. I wanted to ask you about that and, and what the reception is now in North Carolina. I think the reception is fantastic because the overwhelming majority of North Carolina voters oppose abortion on demand through the ninth month. They oppose partial birth abortion, and that is the Democratic plan. The legislation that was recently enacted in support of over 60 percent of North Carolina voters and 65 percent of North Carolina voters, and, and really it was the legislature following through on their promise that they made during the last election cycle to put common sense uh, regulations in place that would restrict abortion after 12 months. And so uh, they are doing what they told voters they would do. Yeah, well, they did deliver. There's no doubt. Michael, last question. You would play a very important role now with the RNC as a general counsel. Uh, lawfare has been a big part of the Democratic strategy going into elections. What are some of the things that maybe Republicans need to do, particularly related to voter rolls and other issues that might be outstanding before 2024? Yeah, you know, Ronna McDaniel has said that she wants to be the most litigious uh, national party chair in, in history. And I am, as her general counsel, very happy to see that vision and to help her get that done. You know, the, the key for us right now is we want to make sure in all 50 states that it is easy to vote and hard to cheat. So uh, to the degree that we need to use uh, court suits to be able to uh, defend that are happening in the states or be able to knock out bad things that are happening in states, we are absolutely going to do that. And any opportunity that the Democrats have on their Sue Till Blue campaign, we're going to meet it very aggressively, very vigorously, and we expect to continue to win in court like we have been. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. And, you know, we're about a few days from the 4th of July, one of my favorite holidays. And we tend to grill out for about four or five days in a row around the 4th. I don't know why it is, but it's like it's a crazy run on the grill. I usually go through a whole bottle of LP gas. Don't tell the Biden administration they might want to take my grill away from me. But you know what? We have an incredible partner whose steaks are unparalleled. And I mean this. I mean, when I, these are five-star restaurant quality steaks. Meats from Lynn's is an extraordinary group of folks, and they make the best steaks for the best restaurants all across this country. And now they allow you to bring the five-star steak experience to your home, to your grill, to your oven. That is very exciting. And so when you serve the highest quality of meats from the Lynn's shop, you're going to get 20 percent off. That's incredible discount. All you got to use is the promo code Just News. Let me give you that again. If you use the promo code Just News when you go to Lynn's shop, L-I-N-Z shop, lynnshop.com, you're going to get 20% off. And these guys have some of the best meats you're ever going to get. And I, I mean, five-star quality. You can start with the Angus Steak Burgers. That's a good lunch over the holiday weekend, right? And the Gourmet Beef Franks. I love those. I've been trying to grill those for years. I love them. The Lynn Shop even offers dry-aged porterhouses. Tomahawks, that's my favorite, by the way. I love a Tomahawk Steak. Party Packs and so much more. Meats by Lynn's was founded as a small Chicago neighborhood butcher shop. Today, they are a fourth-generation family-owned company that provides all of America, extraordinary steaks for the grill and many other good meats as well. So let's get a sizzling start to the summer. Let's kick off the 4th of July with some fireworks with the best meats you can get. Go to shoplinz.com. Shoplinz, L-I-N-Z.com right now. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS at checkout. You're going to get, I'm not making this up, 
20% off your stakes. I am excited even to think about that. Go there today. Lynn Shop does a great job supporting Just the News. John Solomon reports Just the News, no noise. You should support them. I are huge fans of their incredible work. So here we go. Shop, Lynn Shop with 20% off. Lynnshop.com. You get 20% off with the uh, promo code just news. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to support my good friends from Lynn's, obviously the Lynn Shop. Go there right now and you'll love them. All you got to do is go to shoplins.com. Use the promo code Just News. Happy Fourth of July. Get ready. We'll have another big show tomorrow, day two of the Gary Shapley whistleblower interview. Well, also tomorrow, we've got a couple of good guests. Jim Jordan is going to be there. And then Jason Goodman from the White Coat Labs Project. They do amazing work and they have done so much to expose the origins of COVID and some of the lies our scientific community has fed us over the last three years of the pandemic. All right, guys, God bless. Have a good night. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of John Solomon Reports, a podcast from Just the News. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out. Higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation, and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold, and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it, with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friend, who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group. Text Just News to 989898 98 98 right now.